live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Company. All right, here we go, live Silver 7s. You know, Thursday is our Silver 7s home, but today is a, a super big day. Willie Ramirez buying a little bit. Steve Cofield, as they've got two great bars here. We were at the Corona Cantina, but they've done a redesign, and it's pretty spectacular, and with it comes some awesome specials, and we're going to be hanging around until halftime of the Saints and the Cowboys game with a big giveaway that we qualified folks all week for, and we want other folks to come down to take advantage of the specials. And, man, they have lined them up. This place is like no other in Vegas. Uh, we talk about it all the time. You know, I'm not a Vegas local, but essentially I am now. I've been here since 96. And this property was always one of my favorite spots. And it's even better now that Silver 7s is here because they respect what Vegas is, right? We're not talking, you know, come to a buffet now for $48 or, hey, bucket of beer, 41 bucks. That, that's not the case. Kelly's with us here from Silver 7. She's the director of food and beverage. These folks get it. Silver 7, so they play on the theme. And the opening of the bar tonight, first of all, the bar looks awesome. Yes, it came out wonderful. That was PJ at DPI. He did a great job, and they partnered with Nevada Beverage. And you got every sport here. You got hockey. You got football. You got basketball. You got golf on the wall. He did an amazing job. It came out spectacular. Yeah, there's uh, eight big screens, and then there's a drop-down screen right in the middle, and then there's signage for the NHL, the NFL. We know the silver and gold bars already partnered up with the VGK and the Raiders and all of that. Now, here's what's going on tonight. First of all, the special here for the NFL games is ridiculous to begin with. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, they've been doing it all season long. It's 77-cent bottles of Bud Light, Bud, and Mick Ultra. Um, the last time I was here throwing a few back, I was like, my God, I have to spend more money. This is like unfair. So, uh, you know, I might have might have got a little loose with a couple of shots, had some friends here. Uh, but it's always a good time here. It's free to park. You got the surface lot outside. The garage is awesome. There's ways to get off of uh, or enter from Flamingo and from Paradise. They put a lot of money into the property. And tonight, to celebrate the opening of the new Bud Light Bar, like, it's not just enough that you're doing 77 cent beers. What no, else are we doing? We decided to do shots tonight. We got some well <laughs> no. shots going on. Oh, no. And we also got some 77-cent hot dogs. Nice. So you can't beat that. And oh instead of having it while the game's going, I'm willing to do it right now. Let's start this party now. All right. Let's so normally, start it right now. Normally it starts at Thursday night football at 5 o'clock. So now we're doing 77-cent well shots, um, the hot dogs as well, and the beers this is this is awesome. This is this is my kind of place. I'm going to gorge this afternoon. Hopefully, I won't be toasted by the end of the show. By the way, where are you from? I am from New Jersey originally. Oh, look at this. We didn't get a chance to uh, speak beforehand. Where in New Jersey? Um, all the way up top, right in Sussex County, right on the border okay. of upstate New York. All right, all right. You're you're speaking to me like I have no idea. I'm actually from New Jersey, ah. from Central Jersey, from like Belmar and Asbury Park and my Freehold. Aunt lives and in Belmar. There you go. We were just in Belmar a little while ago. I noticed a tinge of an accent. <laughs> Just a little bit. How'd you, how'd you want it? Hot dog. I know, hot, hot dog. Or uh, I get caught on the coffee. Every Anytime I get on the phone with my mother, I'm cooked for the, ne like the right. next couple of days because the accent, the accent comes back. How'd you wind up in Vegas? 
Well, I moved to Colorado for four years and then I got a promotion. My GM sought me out and stole me from Colorado. And now here I am since 2018. Nice, nice. So Kelly's with us, uh, Director of Food and Beverage. Uh, you guys also have food specials all the time at the restaurant. Um, I know you're still kind of ramping up in terms of the hours and everything, but what do you have in terms of specials? So we got a shrimp cocktail up there for $7.77. We also got a full rack of ribs for $17.77 and a 12-ounce New York strip special for $17.77. So you can't beat it. Yep. And this was always one of the best restaurants in town, and I'm glad to see you guys are getting back to uh, – you know, extended hours and, and more great specials. So really cool. Yes, I'm very excited. We can't wait to open and expand hours more. We just need the town to come back and we're getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. All right. Well, we expect, you know, the funny thing is December used to be kind of terrible when I first right. got here, you know, say 20 years ago, but with NFR right up the road and then we have more and more events. The stadium has been great. We got the Pac-12 title game coming up this week. So good for you guys. Yes, and we are we're, excited. Uh, we're glad to be out here. We're excited. We can't wait for everybody to come down and get our shot specials tonight. Let's do it. <laughs> Kelly stepped up, so uh, get some shots. I don't know if she's doing shots, but uh, she'll be down here hanging out, and uh, we've got the drinks flowing, and then the football game starts a little after 5 o'clock with the Cowboys and the Saints. So good job. Perfect. Thank you. There you go. Kelly, right here from Silver Sevens. Again, this is our Thursday home. We're hoping uh, that it's going to be for all of 2022. We'll get you news on that one, but we know we're here through the end of 2021. All right, Ari, let's get to what's trending. It's Trending at 2, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. We got a bunch of trending, and we'll expound on all of these as the show moves along. Uh, first of all, breaking news in. You know, you try to hold back, hesitate, when something's pretty obvious and someone has been a jackass in the past. And I really tried to do it because I was like, maybe... We shouldn't jump to conclusions, but you remember a couple of weeks ago when the story came out that Antonio Brown, wide receiver with the Buccaneers, formerly with the frozen feet, the burned feet, the, the stupid helmet stuff, with the Raiders, his foolishness, with the Steelers, all of his fights and money arguments away from the game. You know, the story comes out a couple of weeks ago that he may have... <laughs> handed in a fake vax card. Well, it turns out, I guess the NFL, when they looked into it, they call it misrepresenting his vaccination status. So now he's suspended for three games. Actually, and let me say it again, for three games, not 43 games, for three games. I actually think it's a little bit light, but we'll, we'll get into that one. If you're following college football, a lot of breaking news, and this is more about the future, and we've got a lot of present stuff because things change today with Notre Dame, and I think for Cincinnati for now, uh, if you didn't see it, Marcus Freeman, assistant on the staff, the D.C., really a recent addition to the Notre Dame staff, just 35 years old, a former linebacker at Ohio State. He's been named the head coach at Notre Dame, which means that Luke Fickle from Cincinnati won't be going to Notre Dame. He could still go somewhere else, maybe Oklahoma, but for now it looks like Luke Fickle will be at Cincy if they do make the college football playoff. So maybe another reason that Cincy will be extra fired up for the game. The other thing out there in college football, I got to catch up on this. I'll admit it. I'm not doing my job because it's coming so quickly and furiously that it's hard to keep track of. The transfer portal is getting freaking jammed up in college football. We already saw it in college basketball, right? We saw it with – hell, I saw it last night. 
in person watching SMU take out UNLV pretty easily. Both teams full of transfers. We got college basketball programs that are turning over seven guys a year, eight guys a year. In the case of UNLV, when you lose your coach, could be nine or ten guys a year. Well, this is starting to happen in football. It's not a surprise. I guess the numbers, the volume might be a surprise because it ain't as easy to walk into a, a college football program and blend in and immediately understand the coach, the assistant coaches, the system, and that goes for quarterbacks. But what's going to happen now is there's going to be a quarterback free agent market in college football, unlike anything we've seen before. And the big news today in terms of names, and it actually one of them emerged yesterday, Jake Hayner from Fresno State in the conference, who early on people were saying, hey, Heisman candidate, a Washington transfer to Fresno is in the transfer portal. Kalen DeBoer has moved on to Washington. Could Jake Hayner go back to Washington? And then uh, news today, West Coast player, West Coast native, Adrian Martinez from Fresno, Nebraska quarterback. He's now in the transfer portal, so that's interesting news as well. Quick timeout. Uh, we'll get you set up for the day as we're going to talk to uh, AP writer from D.C. to talk a little bit of hockey uh, from the Eastern Conference, but a lot on the football team. That's coming up. But uh, Willie Ramirez is going to be joining us here in just a couple minutes. We'll get into the transfer portal later on. We'll get into, I, I think, listen, I don't know what a slur is. I mean, I guess I do. Um, but it seems like there are certain words out there we can use. I know I've been chastised uh, when mentioning some words around the Italian community. I don't, I don't know what. Uh, Brent Musburger was doing yesterday, but with the Goomba mentioned, the media Goombas, uh uh-oh. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at Two. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. I think the thing that was most important to me when I read through it was this idea that there was an insinuation from the league that if you do not step down, if you if you continue to coach the Raiders, more emails are going to come out. More information is going to end up come out. And then it did. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. That's Charles Robinson, Yahoo, talking about John Gruden and uh, what happened to him. Uh, more of that was hashed out yesterday on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. as uh, Brent Musburger, voice of the Raiders on Compass Media, was talking about media goombas. So we'll get into that a little later on. I'm sure Willie and uh, myself will have some interesting takes on that as uh, Italian-Americans. Even though Ramirez and Kofi doesn't sound like Italian-Americans. Uh-huh. We'll get to that in yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, breaking news, though. Raiders, no Darren Waller today, no Deshaun Jackson on the field at practice, but he did speak. What's the update on both from a health standpoint? Uh, Waller is status quo as far as, you know, just what we've been hearing. Um, Obviously didn't hear from Basaccia. Um, We'll probably get that full update tomorrow when he speaks at his media availability. Um, he just didn't participate the last two days, still, you know, still nursing that injury. And I don't think that we're going to find out really until, I don't know if he'll be game time. I don't know if he'll be, I'm guessing that we're going to hear questionable. I don't even know if it'll be doubtful just because of that whole week to week. I think that maybe they're just leaving it out there. Um, 
as far as Deshaun, he did speak about it. He was actually, he was really good today. He was fantastic. Uh, he turned 35 yesterday, so he had some comical. Our buddy Paul Gutierrez asked him a two-part question. First one was, how's 35 feeling? He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's only been one day. Let's just chill on that. Um, went to dinner last night with his college buddy, Marshawn Lynch, who flew into town for dinner. They went to Tao. And he said it was nice to have the weekend off after playing on Thanksgiving because he got to enjoy it. He said, you know, he's used to Las Vegas coming in as a party town, right? Being, being an L.A. guy and always coming to Vegas. And now that it's home, it's different. He goes home at night. He wants to put his feet up. A little different on the weeknights, huh? Well, you just, don't have to come here and go a thousand miles an hour over a course of two days. You can actually chill out a little bit. It's funny because the whole time he kept he kept poo pooing the whole, you know, hey, hey, you know, blah blah blah, blah. and then uh, our buddy Case Keeper asked about you know younger guys coming up and saying, hey, you know, I've I've been watching you since I was a kid, and then and then at the end he was like, you know, I'm 35 now. I you know my partying days, I won't say they're over, but you know, I just want to enjoy a quiet time. So it's kind of hilarious. But he was he was really good. He was entertaining. He said that the injury, you know, he just sort of he'll be fine. Um, he 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 didn't really emphasize on it. I think he'll be fine for the game um, in terms of his uh, you know tweaking something. And uh, overall, I believe that. Uh, it, it, it seems as if he's become very comfortable at this point, three weeks, four weeks now um, in, a few games in, and uh, getting to play against the Cowboys with what happened to be his most snaps, um, it was just great timing. And he had said, you know, with the history, he already didn't like the Cowboys as an organization as it was, playing with the Eagles, and then upcoming – He's done pretty well against the Washington football team, then known as something else. So, um, yeah, he just he he was very comfortable on the, on the dais today, and 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 seemed upbeat. We also heard from Nate Hobbs, both coordinators. So, based on the first two days of media availabilities with with the team heading into this game, they say that they have a different mindset. It's not as in panic mode or snarky mode. We sort of detect that, but when a team's going through a three-game uh, losing streak and the media's drilling them, they're going to get like that. You know, they're, they're going to get tired of hearing the same questions, but, you know, just like they have a job to do, we have a job to do. This week was a little bit different and, uh, you know, focused on the task at hand. Good deal. We got a, a big party coming down here. It's going on right now, opening of the Bud Light Bar. They've redesigned the bar at the... Uh, South end of the property. Specials to Silver Sevens. Specials include well shots for 77 cents. The uh, beer special is on right now. Normally it's during VGK games and NFL games after they kick off, but right now it's in effect. 77 cent beers, Bud, Bud Light, McUltra, 77 cent dogs. So that's something to get fired up about. We got some prizes and uh, we're having a bunch of listeners down here as the day moves along. Well, I didn't want to tell you this, but that's why I was a little delayed. It wasn't really just the Raiders. I was partaking in the 77. To, 77 you know, it's the 77. Did you get a dog? They're going to, well, they're going to play well into tonight's back workout. So, you know. Is that right? Get, <laughs> Is the hot dog part I'll, of the I'll, diet? I'll get, a nice, I'll get a nice pump. I love it. All right, let's start getting ready for this uh, game against the football team, which, by the way, I'm so tired of seeing the football team. Rename your team, please, Dan Snyder and folks in Washington. But football team in town against your Las Vegas Raiders. We're going to talk to the AP writer from D.C. who covers the uh, football team and also the hockey scene. So we'll get into that later in the hour. We will recap what happened yesterday in Dallas. I was down there. Curtis Terry was there. 
along with John Sandler. And uh, not a good look for the Rebel basketball team. They got a lot of things to fix right now as they fell by 19 against what appears to be maybe a mid-level team in the AAC. And they really weren't competitive from the opening seconds of the game. Daily happy hour starts at three with beers, well drinks, and margaritas, just 277. Hopefully this is the time that we can, you know, really hit the ground running and get hot at the right time. But we got a big one this week, you know. If we don't take care of business today in the meetings, don't take care of business tomorrow at practice and all through this week, then Washington's going to come in here and beat us. And we, you know, we obviously we don't want that. So we got to be focused, locked in, and bring it on Sunday. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Derek Carr, getting ready for the game against the football team. You know, in so many ways, Washington and the Raiders are similar organizations because there's a lot of dysfunction. There's a lot of disorganization. I think the Raiders are more organized now than they've been in the past, but that's also, you know, I'm trying to say that after one of the players went out and freaking killed someone driving here in town. And the head coach, you know, turns out that he was sending stupid emails for years and years and years. But a lot of that, you know, when you hear this stuff, minus what Ruggs did, you're like, well, the football team has had those issues. And obviously, and then the other part of it is they're tied together because that's where Gruden, the emails came from right. with the football team. So you're just covering the Raiders, you know, for the first couple of years here. Can you imagine being on the football team beat for a long time? How crazy? I know people in D.C. We're going to talk to Stephen Wino here in a second. But I know others who cover them, and it's just like every freaking day during the season, you're like, what now? You know, your phone, you get a text, you're like, okay, what is it? Probably not football-related. Yeah, and that's been the been the long-time issue. It, it, you just – that's just it. You're on pins and needles. I think in Las Vegas this year, it, you're shocked by everything that's, been, that's taken place. That week with Gruden, then that week with Ruggs, you know um, – off-season acquisitions, like what's next, and you don't know. Whereas in D.C., I would think that it's not necessarily you're, – you're not surprised you're getting that that notification or that email. It's just a matter of what's going to come next, whereas here it's just been this season. So we are going to welcome to the show someone who has been covering the Washington football team, the Washington organization, of course, my boy from – Back east from the hockey ranks, covering the Washington Capitals and the entire scene. Stephen Wino, what's up, Stephen? Well, I, I, I join you guys in the dysfunctional conversation because of the teams we cover. <laughs> More than anything, you know what's most important about our relationship is that we both agree that every single day of the year should be National Dog Lovers Day. It, as you've always said, the best therapy is having a dog. It is the best. The, the the best therapy to uh, mental health is having the prescription to mental health is having a dog, a pup, some kind of, some kind of thing. So before we get into football, let's talk. Let's talk real quick a little bit about some hockey. Um, while we're covering a Vegas Golden Knights team that has been banged up since day one and is slowly getting healthy, you're covering a Washington Capitals team that's got some history going. Where you've had a nice little sidebar story with Alex Ovechkin chasing some history. Um, Tell us what that's been like, you know, just I mean, and then over the years covering that team and, and sort of, you know, where, where you're at this year with this. Yeah, it, it's been like every game, every goal is, is another milestone for Alex Ovechkin. And the next one will tie him, next, next power play goal will tie him with Dave Andrzejczyk for the most in NHL history on the power play. Uh, he's also one goal away from 750 for his career. It's just all these round numbers, all these milestones. He's passed Brett Hall. He 
he's now next up is Jeremy or Yager on this. It's one of those things where it's so incredible to watch, and you don't don't know what else to say about it after after a certain amount of time, and you don't know what to ask Alex or what he's supposed to say because he just keeps scoring goals. And and, and what is amazing to me is is not only is he doing this at 36 years old, but it's what he's doing with not only does he have 19 goals, he's got 18 assists this season too. So he's creating as many goals he's not scoring as much as he's create he's scoring goals himself. We we know Alex Ovechkin's the greatest goal scorer of, of this generation. Will probably end up as, as either the second best or, or the best goal scorer in NHL history. But the fact that he's creating this much offense, even when he's not scoring goals, is a big reason why the Capitals have had so much success so far this season. I don't want to get too too long winded on this subject, and, and before we touch on the Golden Knights, but. You covered for a long time Marc-Andre Fleury's career in Pittsburgh with the rivalry with Washington. You saw what he did here the opening uh, season with the Golden Knights, and of course it made big news when he got traded away. Um, Today, the Blackhawks make news in shipping Subban over to Buffalo. I'm just curious your thoughts on if what you're hearing, what you've heard, or just your professional opinion is Mark Andre Fleury, from the way that you've seen this season start, is he going to end his career in Chicago? Because I'm still of the belief that at some point he's at least, even for one game, going to get traded to Pittsburgh and allowed to retire a Penguin. Oh, oh I, I absolutely don't think he finishes the season with, with the Chicago Blackhawks. And, and I'm actually sitting outside the arena in Washington right now. Mark Andre Fleury starting for the Blackhawks against the Capitals tonight. And look, guys, I was talking about this with a few colleagues earlier. I could very much see the Capitals trading for Marc-Andre Fleury. And it's not something that Capitals fans would ever have thought would happen or Penguins fans want to see happen. But with some goaltending questions in Washington with the young goalies here, I could see Marc-Andre Fleury, the guy who played the Capitals in the Stanley Cup Final with your Golden Knights, playing for the Capitals in the playoffs this year. It just makes too much sense. A guy in the last year of his contract wanting to win another championship, a team with one major kind of gaping hole in goal. Uh, it, 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 so it feels like a weird match, like a weird match for those two, but I could definitely see it happening. Wow, that would be amazing. Flurry ends up with the Capitals and the one of the preseason favorites, the Vegas Golden Knights. Can you imagine a Stanley Cup rematch? What do you make of the Golden Knights and how they've survived through the injury bug? A um, couple of COVID hits, but in terms of where they're at, the potential and what you think they'll be doing you know, in about four or five months. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to see what the Golden Knights have done. And, and it's a credit to Peter, to Peter DeBoer and, and kind of the depth of the organization that you're able to call, call up uh, Paul Cotter and some of these other guys who, who really don't have, they're not proven NHL players and have been able to fill the gaps. Like you're, it's, it's hard to make up for the talent of, of Mark Stone, of Max Pacioretty, uh, that level for, for periods of time, whether it's the injury absences, a lot of the COVID absences, but it's basically staying afloat. Like you can't make the playoffs in October, November, December. You can certainly miss the playoffs. And we saw with the New York Islanders and kind of how they sort of fell apart. And it's going to be a real uphill climb for them. The Golden Knights have that, and Jack Eichel's on the ice now, which is incredible. How early he's on the ice after the surgery. If he's actually able to play either just before or just after that Olympic break, watch out for this team. Stephen, let's move on. Um team that's coming to Las Vegas is playing with a lot of head steam right now in that NFC East. We've learned that there is no counting anybody out in that wacky NFC East. Now, since the bye week, Washington is 3-0, and but if you go back to the final week of the bye week, that defense has allowed an average of around 17 point something points, and it's really been the sort of the, you know, the backbone of this surge. What can the Raiders expect in this team? 
Well, from a defensive perspective, this is a team that, is, that without really a veteran linebacker, is playing Landon Collins essentially as a linebacker and, and essentially a, a, what looks like a three-safety defense. And, and this is a, a, a pass rush without reigning defensive rookie of the year, Chase Young, without fellow pass rusher Montez Sweat. And still, this is a, a team that, that has gotten good pressure. The, the line creates enough pressure, even if it's not getting a bunch of sacks, to put pressure on quarterbacks. And I know how good... Derek Carr is, is kind of throwing under pressure in those situations. And, and I think that's what is going to be on, on former Raiders coach Jack Del Rio and, and, and his defense is trying to figure out the right kind of pressure to dial up for Derek Carr on Sunday. Uh, from an offensive end, the Washington's become a team that just runs the ball down your throat. And, and, and it's become the, the Antonio Gibson, and maybe not J.D. McKissick because he has a concussion and was hurt late in that game against Seattle, but... With with Antonio Gibson, with Jared Patterson, the rookie out of, out of Buffalo, they have the capability of, of running the ball enough to set up play-action passes, to set up uh, a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of, of dink-and-dunk sort of passes. But every once in a while, Heineke and, and, and Terry McLaurin, or Heineke and DeAndre Carter, wind up hooking up on, on a long pass. And it, it's made this team, they've shortened games. They, they've taken away kind of the ability for an elite quarterback to beat you uh, by kind of running the ball so much. They're going to have the ball a lot, and that's, that's, that's Washington's goal. We had a chance to talk to Deshaun Jackson today, and, and someone had asked about you know his, his career against Washington. And Obviously, it makes it easy to play you know, great against NFC East rivals like he did against Dallas last week on Thanksgiving and like he's done in his career against the Cowboys and like he's done in Washington. Anything you can think of in covering the football team um, you know, in, in your time covering them when he was with the Eagles – this is a guy who can make or break at, with any given big play. This has become, you know, Derek Carr has been, if not the leading, one of the two leading with Tom Brady, passers of 20 or plus yards. How can Deshaun Jackson, how have you seen Deshaun Jackson change the complexion of a game with one big play? Well, I'm actually old enough to, to I covered Washington when he played for Washington years ago, too. And, and, and he just adds an element of, of, of the, the stretching the field. That, that is hard to do. That, to, and this is Jack Del Rio addressed it today. Is like you need to watch out for those plays, and, and not that there are any guys left on Washington from from when Deshaun Jackson was here playing for for Jay Gruden in Washington. But they're well aware of, of what he can do, and, and really, it, it's a it's a matchup nightmare because the Washington doesn't have a, a real speed corner. Kendall Fuller is a, a decent kind of cover corner. Uh, the, the the safeties essentially are going to be have to be on, on their p's and q's because. This is an offense, and we saw it with what the Raiders did the other day with Deshaun Jackson, that can hit the big play. And what I think Washington's defense is worried about is getting lulled into the secure, the false sense of security and not knowing when that big play is going to happen. And I think that's the element that Deshaun Jackson brings so much is the unpredictability of you can be passing all over the place, and even without Darren Waller, this is an offense that can gain chunks of yards at a time. But Washington's going to have to almost roll the dice hoping it's not a, a time where they're leaving the, one of their corners or, or a Landon Collins or, or a Cameron Curl out to dry against a guy like Deshaun Jackson. So we, we got the pleasantries out of the way with the hockey and the football. Let's let's touch upon what you know Steve and I sort of introed this segment with in terms of the, the off-the-field dysfunction with these two organizations. And then when you hear the tie-in that took place, whatever it was, week four or five, um, in terms of, where it was linked with these with these emails? Um, do you, in your, you know, from what you see, what you've read, what you know, what you've written, or reported on, 
Are we ever going to see or find out what is in 649,000 other emails or whatever it was? No, I don't know if we're ever – there are two elements here. If this John Gruden lawsuit goes to the point where you can get into discovery and it becomes a court matter, a matter of kind of public value, or if Congress gets, is able to get the correct documents from the NFL is the only way we're going to get this. Because we know the way the league handled this, and they did not want a written report of this. Just kind of the opposite of the Chicago Blackhawks scandal and that investigation where – it's this huge report with all these details. The NFL did not want that out of this. And so if we're going to find out, it's going to be kind of dragging the NFL kicking and screaming into that. Because do we really really believe that, that John Gruden was the only one saying inappropriate things in these emails? And I spoke with, with two of the women who are former employees of the team who have been pushing for the league to release some of these documents and, and release a full report that hasn't been written yet. So they're of the belief that there are some very bad things that happened within the organization here that could come out. I would still say it's less than a 50-50 chance that we ever see anything. I want to pick on the game here in a second. Stephen Wino is with us from the AP. This year and looking forward, and they're two different things, but this year and looking forward, what are we looking at a quarterback for? football team does Heineke actually have the chance to be the guy um, and I also wonder down the road because I've talked to you know other DC folks uh, you know in quarterback discussions that Derek Carr if he's not a Raider long term that he could possibly be a football team member yeah and and and, and I, I don't think Taylor Heineke is the prototypical guy they want he doesn't uh, he doesn't fit the bill as the franchise quarterback but he's playing really well and, and I, I almost want to say to the people who are watching this team right now is Enjoy what it is. Like, Heineke is a fun guy to watch in games. He, he ducks out of sacks. He's able to run. He's, he's not a great passer, but he's an adequate passer. I, I, don't, I can't imagine he is the future starting quarterback for whatever Washington's name is next year, the Commanders, the Sentinels, whatever it is. Uh, and, and, and I would lean toward Ron Rivera probably preferring drafting a quarterback. Or if he can sign a, a Derek Carr in, in free agency, something, that's something he wants to do. What, what I know from, from Washington's standpoint is, they do not want to give up assets for a starting quarterback. They don't want to. Like, if Deshaun Jackson or, or Aaron Rodgers, someone of that caliber, fell into their lap, they would take it. But Ron Rivera doesn't want to be giving up pieces, knowing he's still kind of, I don't want to say in a rebuild, but in a building stage of this team, that he doesn't want to be giving up players from his roster right now, young players, a Montez Sweat, a Chase Young, someone like that, or, or draft picks who can become those players to get a quarterback. So I, I have to imagine free agency is going to be the, the kind of the first swing and, and, and Derek Carr is certainly a, an option there. Otherwise, someone like a, a Brennan Armstrong, the quarterback out, out of Virginia, uh, not a great quarterback class, obviously, but it, it, it would be hard to, to see Taylor Heineke being the starting quarterback of this team without question, without a competition in week one of 2022. All right, what's the pick on the game? I, I'm going to go with, with the Raiders, probably something like 21-17. I, I I, I, I do think that the Raiders are a, a slightly better team than Washington, but every time I think Washington's going get, to get blown out in a game or, or lose in a game, this team surprises me. Just like with the Seahawks game the other night, you could have told me it was 31-3 to either way or, or a tight game, and, and nothing would, would shock me with these teams. Given the volatility of the Raiders and, and Washington, it could be anything, but I, I'll, I'll take a Raiders win just because it feels like that's what the universe has ready for us on Sunday. It's actually a strong take on the t- the total's 49 and a half. You think there's, it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game, huh? 
I, I do just be, uh, Washington's defense has, has done that, and, and the way and the way Washington likes to hold on to the ball, they, they would, would like to keep that 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 number under. They want to kind of reduce the number of possessions, hold on to the ball a lot, and and, and that's essentially the only way that, that Ron Rivera feels like the team can win. Steven, thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, Steven, take it easy. He's good. Very good on hockey. Very good on football. He's the Com- best. Coming up next, we flip to college basketball, local college basketball. UNLV had a really rough time on the road in Dallas against SMU. They're 500 right now. They still have a bunch of difficult non-con assignments. they got to get it together quickly, and we'll get the whole situation diagnosed by the former Rebel and current radio analyst, Curtis Terry. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Free throw, no good, but Bryce Hamilton battling for the offensive rebound, grabs it and lays it in. Great job by Bryce. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. It was a muted John Sandler, and certainly don't blame him because uh, the Rebels' effort last night was, was muted. less than stellar. It was muted. They get bombed at SMU, and even when they had a chance to make a miracle run in the final four minutes, SMU answered whenever it wanted to. So Rebels were 4-4. Four and four. They've got San Francisco on the road over the weekend. Believe it or not, San Fran and the WCC is good. Um, so that's not going to be a game that's easy to win. Last night, they were 6.5 up to 8.5 point dogs, and the 8.5 was an easy win. And, hey, listen, the new team thing, it is – a legit point to talk about, you know, having a bunch of transfers coming together. The problem is on the other side, SMU has a new team. They have four or five transfers that they brought in who were, and who, by the way, were all like studs at their old locations. The Rebels were actually kind of the opposite where the Rebels had Bryce Hamilton as their top returnee, a top scorer, right? Just like SMU, they have Kendrick Davis, this little 5'10 point guard who's awesome. He averaged 20 and a half points a game. He's averaging 20 and a half points a game. The Rebels went with big conference players who hadn't played a whole lot last year, who were mostly like two point to seven point per game guys. SMU, what they added was the Southland Conference Player of the Year, who had led his team to the NCAA tournament, a two time All A10 dude. They're actually twins, the Weathers twins. Okay. Uh, they added another dude in Zach Nuttall who was a 15-point-per-game guy last year. So they added you know guys who were at lower levels but bigger scorers, and last night it looked like they came together and the Rebels' cohesion was not there, Willie. Well, you know what? And so you said so the new, the new team aspect can be – that excuse can go so far, but so was SMU. But you know what? In a lot of ways, the new team aspect that SMU is going through is harder because you're bringing in guys who may have been stars at their schools. Now you're com- clashing those. Those you have to blend. Who's the guy? Who's whose know, ego do you got to put in check? A- after watching it, though, no. But what I'm saying when, is, when you, they overcame that. When you have that's a good point. When you have four the guys, and the other team has still one the guy. You know what I mean? Like that. You know, the Rebels just haven't developed a second score consistently. And last night, SMU appeared to be an NCAA team. I don't think they are because I don't think their coach is that great and their conference is really good. But, man, they were talented and they played together and they did a lot of the things on offense that UNLV has been trying to do, which is multiple passes and get good looks. All right, Curtis Terry, 
is here with us. Curtis was in Dallas. I was there as well. Curtis, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, gentlemen. How are you guys? Uh, you know, pretty good, you know, considering what we saw last night, which was disappointing. And, you know, I was just leading in talking about, hey, both of these teams are transfer heavy. Uh, UNLV went with guys who were, you know, big-time stars out of high school, four-star guys who didn't play a whole lot at their Big 12 stops. Meanwhile, SMU had a bunch of dudes who were 15-point-per-game guys or more at, say, lesser stops, but they look like they could play as a team. And, again, the Rebels struggled last night. Yeah, I mean, and both your guys' arguments or kind of views are, are valid in both ways. Um, I, I just think it's it's every situation is unique and different. And I'd say in terms of SMU, obviously, uh, Coach Jankovic, he's been there for a while, um, even though they've brought in some new players. They've got a strong point guard that leads that team that's been there before. And so they can go kind of go as he goes, even if they kind of do get off course. Um, and with Kevin's group, I don't think they've really seen adversity yet. You know, be it they did play Michigan, did play Wichita State in a heartbreaker, uh, kind of got handled by UCLA. But this was the first true road game um, against a team that's expected to kind of make a stand and kind of plant their flag here um, with this group for Coach Yankovic after he took over from Larry Brown. Um, but the big thing is point guard play is huge. Jordan McCabe is, is going to be that for the Rebels and continue to develop and lead them. I don't think they're quite there yet, but I still think we're seeing this group trying to figure out who they are going to be offensively and who to turn to and make sure they trust each other on that end of the floor. Because defensively, they started the season strong, but offensively, they've shown the ability and kind of bright spots, but they're not quite there yet. Um, but we saw last night that the lack of offense definitely affected them defensively because I think that was the worst performance in that first half that we've seen from this group um, over the course of the young season. You know, but even in the second half, they still had troubles defensively. Explain to the audience, you watch a team, you know, get seven, eight, nine dunks, um, and a lot of them uncontested. Why was that happening? Yeah, that's demoralizing. I mean, even for me, and I wasn't playing, and, and former Rebel Jordan Cornish was in the building after the game we talked, and he said the same thing. It's, it stinks. It sucks to see teams just dunking on you, getting breakaways, um, and kind of having fun and, and, and kind of layup line dunk contest. But even with that, I mean, UNLV did win the second half. Um, from that standpoint, in terms of the score, I think by four points. But there was just too many breakdowns um, initially on the, the, the most basic level things in terms of defensive philosophies um, that they hadn't made throughout the course of the season so far. There was no weak side help. Uh, they were allowing teams to beat them away from the pick and roll. They like to kind of force, uh, force screens down the floor on, on ball screens or blew them or down them. Uh, the big man was not there. There were straight-line drives. Um, Everything we talked about at the start of the season where they were making the extra effort, the extra play, defensively covering for each other, they were not doing that in that first half. In the second half, they did better. But again, I think there was a little bit more effort and concentration and I don't know, just want to because the ball was going to the basket. And uh, when you score, it makes you feel better. But they definitely got to get on the same page because I think last night was concerning in that first half because that's not something that we'd seen um, or thought we would see to that degree uh, from this ball club from what we've seen through those first six games before last night. See what you think of this one. Kendrick Davis, I think, of all the teams they've played, is actually the best college basketball player in the most control of the game that they faced this year, even beyond ATN, who killed them down the stretch for Wichita State. UCLA has some awesome players. Michigan has some really good players. I thought Davis, and we, are, we saw him a couple years ago here, and he was awesome that time. Um, if he had played the entire game, he might have finished with like 33 points and 18 assists. Like he, he is freaking great for a guy who's only five ten. Yeah, I mean he's, he's. I mean that's 
from a, a playing standpoint, uh, not just from a, a player, but from a coaching standpoint, that's the kind of guy you want to lead your ball club. Someone that's reliable, consistent, um, can facilitate, can create for others, can create for himself, can take over offensively, can hold his own defensively. Um, and I would agree. I mean, he was very comparable from my perspective to Tiger Campbell, a, a lot more offensive, offensively motivated and oriented, uh, but the same type of player to control a game. That comes from experience um, and the, the confidence being put in you from your, your teammates and your coaching staff. Um, but I think between him and, and, and Etienne from Wichita State, those two guards are going to lead their teams um, very far and be successful because they can control the game. And I, in basketball, whether it's professional um, or at the college level especially, point guard play is the up, of the utmost importance because if you don't have that, you have nothing to kind of steady you um, or keep you on course. And, and it showed against UCLA, against Wichita State in that second half when Etienne had 23. Uh, and it showed last night uh, for Kendrick Davis when he just started the game and, and took over. And, and I said that was going to be a focal point. And next thing you know, he ends up with 18, 18 points, eight assists, and four rebounds um, and was in control for himself and his team from start to finish. Yeah, by the way, I probably overstated a little bit. He did play 33 minutes. It just felt like uh, I was I was like in a sense of relief when he wasn't on the floor. I I, I was thinking he played 25 minutes, but uh, he played most of the game. But he's a he's a really good player. Uh, now that said, I mean you know how how good the teams are at the top of the AAC. I keep wanting to call it Conference USA. Um, right. I think SMU is really good. I think they're really talented. I don't know if they make the NCAA tournament because that conference is so ridiculous up top. Yeah, I mean that's going to be interesting because based on kind of preseason, what teams are bringing back. Obviously, we know what Wichita State is capable of, and we saw that with Etienne in that second half when he – it was his game. I mean, 6 of 10 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3, 23 points. Um, he was a kid in the candy shop um, and single-handedly won that game, in my opinion, uh, at the T-Mobile. Um, but then you had at Houston. Um, I believe Memphis is in that conference as well. Yep. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's loaded, in, in rightfully so, but, again, the key – it's point guard play, and that's why I think Wichita State is going to have a, a real shot as long as Etienne's healthy and effective. Same thing with, with SMU. I think they're going to surprise some people because the Weathers brothers, they are better than advertised. I mean, oh, yeah. and, and Michael Weathers, his attacking from the wing and his first step is so quick and getting to the rim. And then you add uh, the, the little big brother um, down low and kind of uh, being physical. Uh, and then they've got guys that just step up and shoot it with, with no conscience. And they were hitting those shots last night, uh, Dunamel and, and Nuttall. That team can, can shock some people, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see I mean, four teams coming from the AAC, um, being those four with Memphis, Houston, Wichita State, and SMU. Um, but again, I think that's a good measuring stick because that's a respectable conference. They put multiple teams in the tournament, always have top 25 teams. Um, but I don't think myself, probably you, anybody uh, going into the season is giving SMU enough credit because I think they're much better uh, than people expected. Um, yeah. At least from last night, they definitely were. Very talented and big too. They have they have some good uh, um, utilitarian bigs who you know just play defense and they're I mean they're legit big, two hundred and sixty pounds. Um, let's close on this. So San Francisco's on the way. We can uh, we can preview that game uh, on Saturday when we're getting ready for the game. Um, your look at the conference. I know Reno didn't get off to a great start, but they've even their record up. I still think they're the most talented team in the conference. This is going to be a deep conference. CSU is freaking loaded and can shoot the three. Uh, I think New Mexico has been a bit surprising with all their transfers. Fresno, a bad matchup for the Rebels in the past. They're off to a 6-1 and one start. The Mountain West Conference is going to be a bear. And believe me, I didn't even mention everyone else. You know, you throw in 
San Diego State and Boise State. This is going to be a real nasty conference. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 look at it two ways. It's from a fan perspective, it's good because the conference is, looks to be getting stronger and back on track to being a multiple bid league. Uh, that's awesome. But from I mean, a player's perspective, it's like, dang, there's kind of no gimmies anymore. Even uh, Tim Miles at San Jose State, he's got those boys playing hard up there. That's going to be a much tougher uh, team to, to go through because he knows what he's doing. He's been through the Mountain West and had success. Um, but I don't think there's going to be any kind of gimmies. It's with teams with experience, um, continuity, a great point guard play, uh, tough home environments to, to travel to and play in, uh, and great coaching. It's going to make for a fun, fun uh, Mountain West Conference season when we get to January. Uh, so I think it's really about trying to make sure you're as good as possible and, and work out all the kinks over the next uh, three and a half weeks until you get to the new year because you're going to be thrown into the fire um, in, in any bad two-game stretch or weekend stretch uh, to set you way back uh, out of the chase uh, because I think it's going to be a fight to the finish um, with, with some surprises coming along the way for the Mountain West Conference champion coming from men's basketball when we get to March. Hey, Curtis, last one. i got about a minute here. I think a message was uh, it was attempted last night to be sent to Bryce Hamilton, who finished with 12. But uh, last night, I actually thought he made a good adjustment. He was trying to go to his right a lot more than go to his left, where he's been just you know closed down by defenses. But uh, Kevin Kruger had him on the bench early, and then at different times throughout the game, and then afterwards, uh, Mike Ramallah had asked a question about, "Hey, was that a message to Bryce?" And you know, without saying it directly, Kevin Kruger kind of said, "Yeah, um, you know, we're going to really concentrate on getting quality shots." Can Bryce get to the point where he can be both a distributor and also a guy who shoots 45% and, say, averages 16 a game? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, is it going to happen? Uh, time will tell. I think with Bryce, we've, again, we've seen over the course of his four years, we've seen a lot of growth and maturation, and his role has, has changed every year. Um, and even the most now with, with what he's asked to do and the, the crew he has around him in terms of his teammates um, and their ability um, – to compliment him. And so now it's a matter of trust and these guys getting in the heat of battle and saying, okay, I'm going to let go a little bit and, and let Jordan uh, take that shot. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to swing the ball to Donovan and trust that he's going to make the right play um, after I give it up, but also trust I'm going to give it up and be able to get it back later in the possession. Um, those things aren't easy, especially a guy that's been in Bryce's position and asked to carry the world on his shoulders offensively for the Rebels. Um, but I think the a message was kind of subtly sent to a lot of guys throughout the course of last night. Um, just based on not doing what they need to do. Um, and, and that was kind of evident with whether bad shots or bad fouls, um, not taking care of the ball, being kind of reckless, um, over-dribbling. And so, uh, again, I think Coach Kruger is obviously not happy with how they performed, but he's still molding this group, and we can't forget about what he walked into with these all-new guys taking on a new role and trying to be successful. It's not going to happen overnight, but their best is definitely still ahead of them. Um, it's just a matter of putting it together. And, and I think when it's all said and done, they'll be in a good spot. Um, and year one is going to be a success um, for Coach Kevin Kruger and the Rebels, and we'll see how far this group can take it. But the foundation is going to be laid, and, and it will definitely be strong um, for future years to come. Curtis, we'll hear from you in uh, San Fran. I will see you sooner, okay? Thank you. Sounds good. Take it easy, Willie. There he is, Curtis Terry, one of the voices of the Rebels. Three o'clock hours on the way. Michael Felder will start to break down what's going on around college football with the uh, coaching carousels. We find out Notre Dame has hired Marcus Freeman, and it'll also give us his plays on uh, the biggest games, especially the SEC title game with Georgia and Bama. At the William Hill Race and Sportsbook, sign up for the mobile betting app and get $50 added to your account.